Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal. One in four women and one in six men are survivors of sexual abuse or assault. That means you or someone you know has survived an external and internal battle for your soul, which most often no one else will ever see unless you tell your story. This is Journey On, Survivors Healing from Sexual Abuse and Assault. My name is DJ Burr and I'm a survivor. I was molested at 16 years old and raped at 18. I didn't know what surviving looked like back then, but I do now. Join me as I talk with survivors and hear their experience, strength, and hope on the road to recovery. Hear our stories and share your own. You are not alone. Welcome to another episode of Journey On, Survivors Healing from Sexual Abuse and Assault. Thank you for joining me. I'm DJ Burr, and today's guest, I have uh, Neil Jaffe. Neil is a filmmaker and a lawyer out of Washington, D.C., and I recently had the privilege of watching a documentary in which he wrote and co-produced. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you, DJ. I'm, uh, in addition to co-producing uh, the film that you watched, which is off the record, Justice Denied to Child Sex Abuse Survivors, uh, I also co-produced an earlier documentary, Pursuit of Truth, Adult Survivors of Child Sexual Abuse Seeking Justice. Uh, I am legal counsel to a foundation that advocates on behalf of adult survivors, and we focus mainly on their legal rights in cases, uh, uh, both criminal and civil cases, involving adult survivors. Uh, Prior to taking that position, I was a public defender in Washington, D.C. for over 20 years. Wow, Neil, thank you for the service that you have provided to the survivor community. I'm curious how you got into this work. Well, it was kind of interesting, D.J. Uh, the, the, uh, the work kind of came to me uh, through someone who was in our office as a, uh, as a summer intern and was a survivor um, I didn't know it at the time, but after he left the office, um, he had disclosed that he had been abused as a child and uh, came to me to act as kind of a consultant in terms of what legal remedies were available to him, um, which I did, of course. Uh, during the course of that journey, his family decided to start a foundation uh, for adult survivors and asked me to be their legal counsel. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how that all linked together. It, yeah, it really did. And, and, you know, I have to say, DJ, that um, I've had some experience in this area in the sense that I represented a lot of clients uh, during my years as a public defender who had suffered abuse of one sort or another uh, during their childhoods and ended up in the criminal justice system. So many of the issues involved with adult survivors were, were not new to me. Uh, I was somewhat experienced uh, given uh, my time as a public defender. Mm. 
Yeah, we've had so many different stories on this show about the, the ramifications of being a survivor and what that looks like um, and how one deals with that. And, you know, very few people, you know, that I know have pursued uh, legal, you know, um, charges against their abuser, usually because statute of limitations has lapsed or there's some screwed up law that prevents them from even pursuing justice. And so I wonder, how do you navigate such a complex system? Well, that's a that's a very good question. That's part of the reason why we made the two films that we did, because we found in speaking to survivors um, that many of them did not know how to av- uh, navigate the legal system. And our first film, Pursuit of Truth, uh, gives more of an overview of the system uh, both to good and bad, and uh, gives a little bit of a, a roadmap to survivors as to how to proceed um, if they do want to seek legal relief against their perpetrators. Uh, but as you mentioned, there are many obstacles. Uh, statutes, statutes of limitations, of course, are one of the principal obstacles because often, for a variety of reasons, Uh, victims of child sex abuse don't report the abuse to uh, legal authorities until much later when they become adults. And often by that time, the statute of limitations has run and the courtroom doors are locked. Mm -hmm. So getting beyond that first obstacle is a real challenge. And then for even those who are able to do that, there are many other difficulties in the justice system obtaining a good legal counsel, uh, uh, having the police believe the survivor and agree to pursue the case. Often uh, uh, police officers don't want to investigate and prosecute uh, old cases, which many of these survivor cases turn out to be. Um, So getting beyond the police screening decisions and the prosecutor's screening decisions is also very challenging. And then even once you uh, get into court, there are various procedures in court and policies that uh, restrict the rights of survivors, and that's pretty much why we made the second film, uh, which focuses more on what happens in the legal system uh, behind the scenes, outside the courtroom and outside the court docket and away from the public eye. Uh, and what happens there often uh, is prejudicial to survivors' rights to obtain justice. You know, I was so shocked when I saw off the record um, the, the participants that you had on, on the documentary, even their own legal counsels weren't, you know, based on what they were saying, weren't very caring or kind or even compassionate to their their issues and into their stories and i was just like beside myself when i heard some of these examples um i wonder uh how does someone who's wanting to come forward a survivor how do they screen out a a lawyer that is going to be beneficial to them when maybe they don't even have any like legal experience or or know-how yeah that's uh that's very difficult 
TJ, for survivors to uh, know even where to begin. And of course, uh, I should explain there are two types of of cases, civil cases and criminal cases. In a criminal case, a survivor would have to go through the police or the prosecutor's office or both um, to try to file criminal charges against the perpetrator. And there, the survivor would really not have a choice as to uh, what police officer is going to be uh, conducting an investigation in the case or what prosecutor is going to be assigned to her or his case. Uh, it's all a matter of what jurisdiction they're in and uh, the makeup of the particular police uh, office or prosecutor's office. Um, and, and, I and I should add, you know, there are many prosecutor's offices and police officers who are very committed to survivor cases and who handle these cases very professionally and very competently. Unfortunately, uh, the level of competence really varies from office to office. So in one jurisdiction, uh, if that is where the abuse occurred and where the charges would be brought, a uh, survivor may find uh, a very competent uh, police force and a very aggressive prosecutor's offices, a prosecutor's office. Uh, yet in, in the next jurisdiction, in another state or another county, uh, it might be something more like what occurred in our film with both Tammy and Sherry in criminal cases where clearly those prosecutors uh, were not committed to obtaining justice for them and just wanted to dispose of their cases as easily as possible. It felt like they wanted to dispose of them personally, too. It was like they were a, a bother. And that really hurt yes. to hear that. Absolutely. And, and particularly Tammy's case, um, which occurred in a very small rural town in Virginia where, unfortunately, all the prosecutors know all the defense lawyers. And the lawyer who represented her perpetrator was sending letters to the prosecutor bad-mouthing Tammy. Oh, my word. Saying, yeah, saying you should not believe this woman. She's not credible. And uh, Tammy had to deal with that, with the prosecutor who should have been uh, obviously on her side and seemed to be opposing her. So that was a very, yeah, very difficult, extreme circumstance. And people who watch the film can see even now how many years later Tammy is still very emotionally affected by that when she talks about her case experience of course we you know when i saw yeah. her i was like wow and in all of the the participants they're brave these are survivors Absolutely. right i didn't see them as victims they're survivors because it takes a lot to come forward and share your truth uh, and especially when it's such a, a horrible truth um and it's just devastating to, to witness kind of what their experience was in the legal system. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with my story, but I, I reported my abuse 17 years after the fact. And this actually happened a year ago. And I was told that because I was 16 at the time, uh, this, the law in Georgia, where I'm originally from, uh, states that a 16-year-old can provide – is the age of consent. Consent. Uh -huh. uh, and I was like, that's crazy. 
I can't buy alcohol, I can't buy cigarettes, I can't vote, uh, but I can consent to having sex with a 45-year-old. That didn't make sense to me. That, that doesn't make sense. Uh, and again, the laws in the different jurisdictions vary. In some, some states, uh, the age of consent is 18, uh, but in others it's 16, and even in some cases uh, 14 and 15. So, uh, again, it really depends on what jurisdiction the abuse is committed in that affects the survivor's rights. Uh, we've always thought, uh, in terms of advocacy, that these laws should be uniform and should be more fair to survivors. Certainly a 16-year-old uh, should not be considered to uh, have the capacity to legally consent to sexual contact with an adult. With an adult, exactly. I could see if the yeah. person was 17, but that was not the case. Right, right. Wow. So in and your... Then... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and and some of the laws do actually apply differently if the abuser uh, is not an adult. If there are two teenagers, then the laws obviously are very different. Okay. Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm curious to know in your advocacy work, have you been able to affect uh, some greater change over the years? Well, we're, we're, you know, that's a constant challenge. Uh, we are still very much involved in that work. We do some lobbying work um, with other advocacy groups, uh, in particular to uh, lobby for the abolishment of these statutes of limitations. Uh, we have shown our first film, Pursuit of Truth, to um, uh, legislators in a, in a couple of different states, that we're considering uh, legal reforms. And we, uh, of course, consult directly with survivors who are interested in seeking justice or who have questions about the legal process. And where necessary, we try to refer them to lawyers who specialize in this area. Yeah, I've always wondered what that consultation would look like. Can you share just maybe like an outline of what one might expect if they do seek out consultation from a lawyer? Sure. Uh, the lawyer would be interested in knowing when the abuse occurred, where the abuse occurred, um, who the perpetrator is, whether um, the survivor disclosed to anyone previously about the abuse, uh, whether the survivor has any records relating to the abuse, like a diary or a journal or letters um, to or from the perpetrator. Um, and, of course, now with, uh, with cell phones and emails and everything else, whether there was any electronic messaging relating to the perpetrator. So... Uh, just fundamental questions for the survivor to have some sense of uh, the facts of the case and the strength of the case. Um, in addition to that, the lawyers, uh, competent lawyers, would ask about uh, the mental health of the survivor and the survivor's ability to withstand the rigors of the legal process. Uh, in fact, there's one attorney I know quite well who specializes in this kind of work and represents survivors and has, is a survivor himself. 
and will not file a case um, until a mental health professional has certified that the client is able uh, to withstand the challenges of going through the legal process. Wow. I'm a therapist, and so I, I think I can understand a, a part of that being very valid, right? Because you want to make sure the person has, like, the the support system in place, I would think, to, to help them um, along that path. Um, and you want to make sure that they are stable because this is trauma, you know, 100% trauma. When you are a, a victimized by someone who has power over you, that is trauma. And so in, in my work, I want to make sure that the people who are coming to receive support from me have all of the support that they need outside of my office. And so That's I can right. only imagine what that would look like if they, too, also had to go to court. No, that's exactly right. As you say, uh, being victimized, especially as a child, is so traumatic and has such long-term effects. And then entering the legal system, as, uh, as Jamie says in the movie, uh, he was re-traumatized. In fact, I think Cammie said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Jamie said the, the uh, trauma he experienced in the legal system was as bad or worse as the trauma he experienced when he was abused as a child. So it's a very difficult journey for survivors, and they have to be uh, prepared mentally and physically and emotionally to go through that. And having a therapist uh, support them through the process is always recommended by competent lawyers. Mm. I'm curious what's next for, for you guys. You have these two documentaries, and you've you know, probably have reached so many survivors. Is there, um, is there any movement around making a third or do you have any other avenues that you plan to pursue? Yes, we're involved in a, in a media campaign to, to promote the second film along with the first film to try to get the message out to as many survivors as possible. And beyond that, we recently conducted a survey together with another group that represents or advocates for survivors, a survey uh, among survivors to try to evaluate the competency of the legal representation they have received. Uh, we've received uh, survey responses from almost 250 survivors. We are in the process of evaluating those surveys. At some point, we will make the results public. And uh, we hope to be writing a, uh, an article to be published about the results of the survey and the need for a certified specialty in uh, advocating uh, on behalf of adult survivors in the legal system, a certification by bar associations uh, that do certify various legal specialties, uh, trusts and estates or uh, contracts or uh, general litigation, often those areas are specialized and are certified to be such. And we believe the same needs to be done in the area of representing uh, survivors of child sex abuse. Exactly. Now, I know you represent a, a foundation. And um, are you allowed to talk about the foundation and what you offer? 
Well, uh, yes, sir. Sure, I am, DJ. What we offer, as I say, is uh, consultation. Um, we do lobbying, and we make the documentary films. We've made the two so far. Uh, we don't have a, a third on the drawing board yet, but we're always thinking of issues and brainstorming about what would, what the next issue would be that we would be tackling uh, along the same lines, survivors in the legal system, because we have found that that's an area that has been almost completely neglected. And we're finding, G.J., as I'm sure you are too, that um, recently uh, with the uh, uh, Me Too uh, going forward with various survivors coming out and disclosing that um, we're hoping to extend that, and I think it is being extended in certain places, to survivors of child sex abuse, hoping that it will empower them to come forward and be heard uh, whether or not they decide to take legal action, but at least to come forward and where possible to identify their perpetrators, uh, to, again, empower others who perhaps were uh, abused by the same perpetrator, uh, and also to act as a deterrent for that perpetrator and for others as more information is coming to the public. That's a great point. I've been following the Me Too uh, movement and... You know, I've shared my story so many times, I can't even remember uh, how many times. And it has just been empowering every time I come forward and say, this is what happened to me. And then eventually I came forward and said, this is the person who perpetrated against me. And that was even more empowering. But, you know, I don't know what the impact of that will ever be. And I think some survivors worry about whether it will create some change, how that will affect them long term, what will the cost be, you know, especially if they seek out legal uh, counsel. Because um, a lot of survivors have experienced a significant amount of trauma. They're in therapy for most of their lives because that's what they need to, to move forward. And they are just tapped financially, emotionally. And so it's so hard for people to make that next step. And sometimes... No one wants to hear you. No, that's very true. Unfortunately, we addressed that issue in first film, Pursuit of Truth, because what happens, as you mentioned, is that many lawyers will not take a survivor's case. And now we're talking about a civil case, which would be a lawsuit against the perpetrator for money damages and perhaps other kinds of legal relief. Uh, but many lawyers will not take those kinds of cases um, unless the perpetrator has a deep pocket. Right. Uh, which usually, right, and that's usually only the case where there's an institution involved, like the church or the Boy Scouts or uh, a private school or a sports team. But for individual survivors who are abused by individual perpetrators, not aligned with any kind of institution, uh, most most uh, lawyers won't take those kinds of cases because you just can't recover much money. Wow. Yeah. You know, I still so encourage people to come forward the best that they can, either anonymously or on a podcast or, you know, documentary, just to come forward and share your story. And then, if for me, I had to let go of the outcome. 
And that's one of the hardest things to do. No, it is. And uh, I, I agree with you that uh, coming forward, again, not necessarily taking legal action or maybe not even naming your perpetrator, but just coming forward and, and disclosing what happened to you uh, is very empowering, uh, liberating, healing, I think. And um, the more information the public receives about child sex abuse, I think the better off we are, more education, more training is necessary. I didn't really know until I became more involved in these issues uh, that uh, the numbers of child sex abuse survivors is, is epidemic. It's over 40 million in this country alone. Uh, I think that's staggering, staggering to most people. It's heartbreaking. Yes, and heartbreaking. Mm. You know, I really appreciate the work that you, you were doing and advocating for survivors. Um, you know, the, the truth is people don't have to advocate for us, but the ones who do make a difference. They really, truly do. We have Survivors need to know that they're not alone, and that includes that uh, we have a support system in place, even if it's from people who have not had the experience of being a survivor. But for people to come forward and say, I understand, I can... I can help you as best as I can. I want to help you share your story. It's just so important to have advocates. And so I just wanted to thank you again for the work that you do. Well, thanks, DJ. I appreciate that. Uh, I find the work to be uh, very fulfilling, very challenging for sure. Uh, and, but the survivors that I've met and worked with, uh, are some of the best people that I've ever met. They appreciate absolutely everything you do for them. They are incredibly courageous and strong and brave. So um, very similar to the work in that sense that I did as a public defender. So I guess that has been my calling, and uh, it's what I intend to continue to do. Fantastic. Where can my audience access these two documentaries? Yes, I'm glad you asked me that. Uh, the off-the-record film can be uh, accessed on the website offtherecordfilm.com. Uh, Pursuit of Truth can be accessed on its website, pursuitoftruthfilm.com. And both of the films uh, can be accessed online on video, Vimeo, I'm sorry, Vimeo On Demand. Go just to Vimeo.com and then do a search by the title of the film. Uh, you can either purchase or rent the film online or purchase DVDs uh, directly from the websites. Great. So I will make sure that my audience has those links and um, they can access those films. And I will share on my social media platforms because very powerful work that you've done. And I want to make sure that as many people as possible can see it. Thank you, DJ. And I, I'll also give you my uh, email address, Great. which which is thejustice101 at gmail.com. And any survivors who listen to your shows or anyone else for that matter uh, who would like uh, to email me or have questions about the legal process or anything related to legal relief for 
Holocaust survivors are more than welcome to email me and I will reply to them. Yes. Well, thank you for, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to the Journey On um, fans and listeners. And um, and to me, it's been a gift to be able to, to sit and chat with you for the last half hour. And I just want to say, keep doing the work that you're doing because it's making an impact. Thanks, TJ. I'm sure your work is doing the same. It's been my pleasure talking to you and hopefully to your audience. Hope to speak to you again. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this awe-inspiring episode of Journey On. I invite you to get in touch with me if you want to share your story. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at DJBurr1022 and on Instagram at TheDJBurr. Survivors are also welcome to join our private Facebook group, Journey On Survivors, at www.facebook.com groups slash Journey On Survivors. And finally... The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person sharing them. Take what you like and leave the rest. I encourage survivors to share their stories authentically, and I believe every guest on my show has. I value the strength and courage it takes to publicly share our recovery journeys. Please respect yourselves and each other. Till next time, breathe deep and journey on. Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal. Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal.